With Buffalo Bills training camp nearing an end, I'm sharing my prevailing thought for every position group today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, folks, got some stuff I want to talk about here on the podcast today. A few updates from the Bills' closed practice on Monday, most of that being injury-related. But after spending last week around the team and training camp nearly coming to an end, only two practices left for the Bills during training camp, I want to share the big prevailing thought that I have for each position group on the roster. And I want to be very specific with those thoughts, not a ton of high level stuff, like very specific. This is what's on my mind the most when I think about the bills and this position group. Now, before I get into any of that, I want to start by correcting something I said yesterday on the podcast. I goofed folks. I'm sorry about it, but I told you that the bills first preseason game was on Friday against the Colts. And that's not true. It's on Saturday. And so my apologies for having my wires crossed as I was discussing that, but the bills preseason game is Saturday, August 12th at 1 PM Eastern time at Highmark stadium in orchard park against the Indianapolis Colts. And so my apologies for whatever level of concern I stirred up. I know some people were sent me DMS and we're like, Joe, I have tickets to the game. Are you sure it's on Friday? And uh, look, I'm sorry about that. It is on Saturday at 1 o'clock. And in fact, each of the Bills' three preseason games are on Saturday. So this week against the Colts, next week, August 19th, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time at the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then August 26th, another Saturday at Chicago uh, for a 1 p.m. Eastern time, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time kick against the Chicago Bears. All right, so we got that out of the way. Let's talk about the injury update here where there was a practice on Monday and it was closed to fans, but it was open to media. And so I think the most meaningful stuff that came out of the practice was injury related. Deion Dawkins, the Bills starting left tackle, he left practice. He went to the locker room and then returned several minutes later and watched the practice, the remainder of the practice from the sideline in, you know, without his pads on. I had a brace on his hands, and he's considered day-to-day. That report coming courtesy of Sal Capaccio, like all of these reports are going to come courtesy of Sal Capaccio. Cam Lewis, we know he had a little bit of an injury scare on Sunday. He did not practice on Monday with a groin injury. Ed Oliver did not practice with some back soreness. Reggie Gilliam did not practice with a groin injury. And then Isaiah Coulter remains out with a knee injury. So, Some injury stuff that I wanted to make everyone aware of before we get into these position-by-position prevailing thoughts. So let's do the position-by-position prevailing thoughts, and I want to get into quarterback first. 
And my prevailing thought has nothing to do with Josh Allen. I'm good to go with 17. He looks good to me. Looks like he's ready to have a great season. You see great chemistry with him and Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs. Making good throws down the field. Has a nice complement of weapons at his disposal. Year two with Ken Dorsey. I'm pretty comfortable with Josh Allen. I'm not comfortable with what's behind him. And I know that I've talked about this quite a bit in our last two discussions when I reflected on the blue and red practice. And then, of course, on our Monday podcast, if you will, where it felt like Kyle Allen parlayed a poor week into another poor practice and really got into my concerns about the capacity of either player to have to step in. And I don't know that there's a savior coming. I don't think there's a QB2 savior coming. People are asking me questions about Cam Newton and Carson Wentz, Teddy Bridgewater, I guess. I think all that does is compound your issues by adding more bad quarterbacks to your bad quarterback depth situation. And those quarterbacks are behind. At least in Matt Barkley and Kyle Allen, they've been around for a few months now and have gotten themselves some reps with the weapons, have gotten themselves time in the playbook. I think your best bet's going to be to move forward with these guys and hope Josh Allen doesn't get injured. Now look, preseason's going to be big. It's going to be one of the biggest things that we talk about coming out of these preseason games is how do Kyle Allen and Matt Barkley perform? And I think we have a legitimate competition. I don't know that I could tell you with any degree of confidence that one or the other is the QB2. We presumed it would be Kyle Allen. He's been a rostered QB2 for a number of seasons in the NFL. Meanwhile, Matt Barkley's been bouncing around on practice squads. But I think Matt Barkley's looked better, and I think there's a reason why Matt Barkley looks better. He's been on the team. He's throwing the ball to these receivers a little bit. He's not learning a new offense. Kyle Allen is. And so I give him some level of grace, but it's also extremely fair to bring up the concern that exists here. And I fleshed out the quarterback two conversation a whole lot more yesterday, and I don't want to rehash all the same stuff I said yesterday. So if you're really looking for some in-depth thoughts on backup quarterbacks, their value, why they're important, all that, listen to yesterday's podcast. But as I consider my prevailing thought for the quarterback position, for the Bills right now with two training camp practices left and a preseason game on Saturday, it's this quarterback two conversation. Let's move on to running back. And for me, my biggest question, my biggest prevailing thought right now is how much workload is James Cook going to command? I'm excited about James Cook. Year two for him. I keep on telling you that I thought James Cook was the player that in season last year improved the most. Bills move on from Devin Singletary, their leading rusher for each of the last four seasons, and now James Cook is primed to be the Bills' lead back. What does that mean? How many touches are in store for James Cook? The Bills, typically, their lead running back gets between 175 and 225 touches. That's been the strike zone over the last several years. The Bills don't have lead running backs like the Raiders do with Josh Jacobs or Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley, these guys, Derrick Henry, and these backs that touch the ball 300-plus times. That's not what the Bills do with the running backs, and I don't think that's going to change because James Cook's now the feature back. In fact, I have a level of concern about that because James Cook, throughout his football career, just hasn't 
been a high volume guy. And the Bills, a team that very aware of sports sciences, load management, not wanting to ramp up guys too much too soon. I'm sure they're very mindful of this. And they have good other options in Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. And you go back through year over year, going back to his time at Georgia, and of course his rookie season, you're going to see that there's just not a high number of touches. 2018, 49 touches. 2019, again, with Georgia, 47 touches. 2020, uh, 61 touches. His last year at Georgia in 2021, 140. That's the most he's had. 2022, 110 touches. I don't think he's going to go from 110 in 2022 and 140 in 2021 to 250 in 2023. I don't think that's going to be the case. So how much of a bump are they going to give him? I think he probably pushes for 200, but if he's that far above 200, I'd I'd be surprised. I think he's going to be around 180. That's kind of what I'm thinking for James Cook. Because not only do I I think they're going to be cautious about ramping him up too soon, but they have other backs. And the pass protection conversation, I know that it's never sexy to talk about pass protection with running backs, but it's critical. And James Cook is under-repped as a pass blocker. Didn't Didn't even have a total of 20 pass blocking snaps last year, including the playoffs. And that's going to be an important part of his ability to be on the field. But I think more than any of that, it's his body composition, kind of a taller, leaner back, and how much volume you want to give him. And the Bills have said, look, playing our best football late in the season is going to be our most important part of this. How do they ramp up James Cook? It's going to be really fascinating to see how that all unfolds. All right, folks, got a bunch more to get into. But first, our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. So whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, Every week, we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So with draft prep underway for the upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us in this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Looking for a second-year fantasy football wide receiver who can drive your team to big points while he catches on with a new starting quarterback? Then expect a smooth smooth ride when investing in the Saints' Chris Olave. Olave was dangerous as a number one in every capacity as a rookie, and there's no reason to pump the brakes now that he has Derek Carr throwing him the football. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With eBay Guaranteed Fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up because now you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. 
eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, let's uh, let's focus on the rest of the offense here and, and actually include special teams in this segment before we get to defense in segment three. Next up is tight end. And my prevailing thought for tight end, thought a little bit about the depth here with Quentin Morris and Reggie Gilliam getting a lot, a lot of reps at tight end and if Jay Sternberger can really challenge. But it's about Dalton Kincaid. He's the Bills' first-round pick. And in a lot of ways, how I talked about James Cook, I'm curious how much volume Dalton Kincaid gets. I can tell you in observing this team for the last week, 12 personnel is going to be a thing. There was a lot of time that they spent in that personnel grouping, probably the number one personnel grouping that I saw with the first team. And you saw a lot of install sessions with Kincaid and Knox to go with two receivers and one running back. It's a big part of their plan. It really is. And this foil between Dalton Dalton Kincaid and, and him being a rookie and tight ends being slow developing and the skill set that Kincaid has and the offense and situation that he's stepping into, it's a pretty ripe environment for him to come in and be productive. But how do we appropriately calibrate our expectations? Now, probably next week, I'm going to give you my Buffalo Bills 2023 stat projections, something I do every year. I'm very excited about it. But I, with Dalton Kincaid, is it 40 catches, 50, 60, 70? Where does he fall? How much does he get? Are the Bills cautious with him? Do they fight against the rookie wall that we've heard Sean McDermott discuss? Does he make plays early in the season and force the issue and command more volume? Very fascinated to see how this is all going to unfold, but clearly he's going to be a part of this, a big part of this, and just a matter of how soon that happens. So Dalton Kincaid and how much volume he gets as a rookie is still my prevailing thought for tight end. And wide receiver. Sorting out wide receiver three is fascinating, and I don't mean the third option in the passing game. I mean wide receiver three behind Diggs and Davis. And the Bills have three guys that they mix in a ton based on what I saw in practice with the first team. You could probably make a case that Khalil Shakir has gotten the most reps just based on feel. I'm not tallying him up when I'm watching practice, but I felt like he was out there a good bit, was up and down, made some plays, left some plays out there. You have Trent Shurfield, brings a little size, some physicality, can block. Deontay Hardy, who's different than all three of them, small explosive. You can use him in gadgety ways. He's also probably going to be your primary return guy. And so three really different skill sets. And with, I think, the pecking order of this weaponry, if you will, for the Bills offense being, you know, Diggs, Davis, Knox, Kincaid, Cook, I think those are your five primary weapons. You're probably talking about your sixth, seventh, and eighth, you know, maybe, maybe even further down, sixth, seventh, ninth options in this passing game. It's probably game plan specific, right? You want to figure out what opponent you're playing, where they're most vulnerable, and what trait exists that positions you best to attack those vulnerabilities. And that probably leans into it on a weekly basis in terms of who gets most of that run. 
but I thought all three had their ups and downs. Like, I'm not sure there's a whole lot that separates them in terms of performance, but there is a lot that separates them in terms of what skill and traits they bring to the table because they're three very different players. So sorting out wide receiver three is what's on my mind with the wide receiver position. For offensive tackle, it's about depth. I think Deion Dawkins is going to be just fine at left tackle. I think Spencer Brown's had a good camp at right tackle. He's still a wild card. You want to see what it looks like when games happen. But David Questenbury has struggled, and he struggled last year. And I try to give him the benefit of the doubt because of the ankle injury that he had kind of early in the season and kind of thrust into the lineup in some tough times. But he's getting cooked in practice. And what's interesting about that is last year they really had him playing four different spots. This year he's pretty much playing left tackle back up to Dawson, or excuse me, to Deion Dawkins. He's been rough. Now, Brandon Shell, I think, has been better at right tackle, but he doesn't have any versatility. He's played very little left tackle throughout his career. He's been a starting right tackle. Can he go over to the left side? Do they both make the roster? Tommy Doyle's running with the threes. I'm just really fascinated. Like, if Dawkins goes down, what's the plan? It seems like the plan is Questenbury, but that doesn't give me the warm fuzzies. I'll tell you that. And so. As much as we've talked a lot about backup quarterback and how that's going to be a big storyline for the preseason, so is backup tackle, particularly at left tackle. Let's move to the interior offensive line. And, of course, it's the right guard competition. Ryan Bates, Osiris Torrance, those guys getting a lot of opportunities to run with the first team. And it was interesting. I was reading Joe Biscaglia's uh, post-game or post-practice recap from the Sunday practice on The Athletic, and Joe B's awesome. I read everything that he writes. And one thing that he said about the competition is, while they're mixing in quite a bit, he certainly feels like Ryan Bates has performed better, w- far more consistent than Torrance, but also said that a reason why Torrance is getting so much opportunity in practice with the first team could simply be that Ryan Bates is a second team center and you're trying to manage that load a little bit. And so you can look at it and say, wow, I mean, Torrance is getting a ton of work with the first team, but how much of that is dictated because Bates is also the backup center and you're trying to, you know, manage that workload a little bit. I think that kind of makes sense. And Joe B's seen more than I have, and he he felt pretty convicted that Bates has been the more consistent player. And in my exposures last week, I thought Torrance held his own, but he's seen more than I have, and I trust Joe B. So that right guard competition is fascinating if it really even is a competition. Then lastly, on special teams here, before we shift gears to the defense in the next segment, special teams, I mean, you've got returning kicker, punter, long snapper, I mean, Sam Martin, Reed Ferguson, Tyler Bass, tremendous. Love that trio of specialists. My question with special teams is kick returner. Presumably, that's going to be Deontay Hardy. And then you also have Khalil Shakir. But then the next two guys are guys that I'm not sure makes the roster, and Darrington Evans and Andy Isabella. And with Deontay Hardy and Khalil Shakir both having roles in the offense, and I don't think feature roles, but roles, 
And we know that the Bills kind of resist some duality sometimes when it comes to that return position. Is this a little bit more of a competition than we think? I mean, is it is it as simple as Deontay Hardy's the guy, Khalil Shakir's the backup, and if you need somebody after that in terms of punt, you put Micah Hyde out there for a fair catch, and you know, kick return shouldn't be too challenging. I mean, if you really needed to, you could put James Cook back there. Latavius Murray be fine. Call a fair catch, you get the ball at the twenty-five. So uh, I I think it's probably Hardy and Shakir, but. Is there a bigger conversation to be had, and should we be giving a little bit more thought to some of those options further down the depth chart? All right, folks, need a quick break, but when we come back, we're focusing in on my prevailing thought for each position on the defensive side of the football. I'll be right back. All right, folks, welcome back. I want to focus in on the defense here, but first would like to remind you about and invite you to join the Locked On Bills subtext community something we started offering a few months ago, and it's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed it. Um, Here's what you get. You get one-on-one text conversations with me. So I'll be a text message away. Store me in your phone. We can talk Bills football anytime you want to. And that's been my favorite part. There's hundreds of you that have signed up and love logging in a few times a day and texting with you guys. I mean, what I do is I talk Bills football. That, That is my job. This is what I do. It's the passion of my life. So I love having those one on one text conversations with you. Your priority when it comes to herd mentality, some exclusive content. We've done some giveaways. I send out almost daily text, you know, just big thoughts that I have on the team. So check it out. There's a link in today's show notes to join. Again, the Locked On Bill subtext community. Everyone gets a free two-week trial. So check it out again, a link in today's show notes to join. All right, let's uh, talk defense here. Edge rusher. And to me, it's AJ Epinesa momentum. I'm excited about a lot of these guys. Rousseau, Floyd, Von Miller coming back. Shaq Lawson's a guy that I always really appreciate. Boogie showing me a little bit something here. Shane Ray looks pretty good. But the guy that I'm fascinated with is A.J. Epinesa, who has had a really good camp. And Sean McDermott said as much during his Monday press conference. There's a lot of momentum here. Six and a half sacks last year. Contract year for Epinesa. He looks good physically. I mean, the body has been interesting because he... Lost a bunch of weight and then put some back on. I think he's found that sweet spot. He, a lot of energy out there for AJ. I studied his tape in July. Was really encouraged with the hand usage. I'm really intrigued by AJ Epinesa this year. That's my prevailing thought. For the interior defensive line. With Jordan Phillips back, and I talked about this yesterday, This conversation becomes fascinating to me because I thought there was a chance he would start the year on the pup list and you kind of buy a little time. He might get healthy right when somebody gets hurt and you put him on the roster, but I don't think the Bills are going to keep five defensive tackles. And right now, count them. Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Puna Ford, Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle. That's five. If you only keep four, one of those guys doesn't make it. So how do you manage that? You willing to trade one of them? Does anybody want to trade for Tim Settle? Does anybody want to trade for Jordan Phillips? I don't know. But one of them's not going to make it. Who's it going to be? Especially when you think about all these edge guys that can reduce inside in play. Whether that's Groot, Boogie, AJ, Shaq. They can all reduce inside in play. Really fascinated to see 
how this plays out. At linebacker, this one's obvious. I mean, you've got a competition that's fully happening between Tyrell Dotson and Terrell Bernard to be the starter. And I've thought Dotson's look better than Bernard. Bernard's more athletic. You like him as a blitzer. Doesn't feel like he's super instinctive to me. The coverage still looks kind of rough. Dotson's the more firm downhill player, but struggles in coverage. Doesn't have the athleticism, but has been around since 2019. There's some dynamics here that just fascinate me, and I don't think this is a spot that you, you'll you see a platoon. We've seen the Bills platoon on the offensive line with young players, Cody Ford, Ty Insecki, right? We remember that. Three of the last six years, they have platooned at CB2, and I think that's a viable plan in terms of predicting what they're going to do this year. They're not going to platoon at middle linebacker. It's too important of a position in terms of the communication aspect, and you got to be repped. And so I don't know who's going to win this job, but it's a fascinating competition. And in my mind, I don't know that either is ideally a starting player for you. I think they're both better suited to be reserves, but one of them's going to start. And hopefully the Bills can scheme around them and you know they don't wind up costing the Bills. But who's going to win this job and are they good enough? At corner, you're probably sitting here thinking, Joe, you're going to talk about CB2. I'm not going to because I've talked so much about CB2. I want to bring something else to the table here. My prevailing thought is Trey White. Guy looks good. Athletically looks good. He's competitive. The energy that you've always enjoyed from Trey White, you see it on the field. And that impact is huge. Like, I think we might be sleeping on Trey White. This guy's one of the premier cornerbacks in the game. Has the ability to take away... Take away the football. Late in games, clutch. And it's been a little out of sight, out of mind because of the injury and working back from the injury. But this guy looks good. It's okay to let yourself get excited about Trey White being back out there. And that's my prevailing thought is that impact back into this lineup and how significant that can be. Especially when you're talking about what's going on in your own division. Dolphins have a really dynamic passing offense with Tua and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. Garrett Wilson to go with Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. You're probably going to have to beat one of or both Cincinnati and Kansas City in the playoffs. I mean, you need to have this type of impact. Not to mention, you know, the Bills are playing the Eagles this year. Tough schedule, right? We've been through it. Got to play the Chargers. Got to play Dallas. Good receivers and good quarterbacks are on this schedule. Trey White, welcome back, buddy. Need you. And then safety, I can sit here and rave about how excited I am about Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, but Taylor Rapp. Taylor Rapps, that's that's the part that really intrigues me here. That's the prevailing thought. And, you know, he really stood out to me in practice. He's so springy and runs around and plays with good physicality and en- energy and urgency. He's got a rocked-up frame versatile. So what type of opportunity does he get this year? Do the Bills really use three safety sets? When do they use them? Who comes off the field to bring in the third safety? It's all fascinating to me, but I'm super intrigued by Taylor Rapp. I was intrigued before they signed him. I got really intrigued when they signed him. 
And I'm even more intrigued after watching practice and seeing some of the ways that they're deploying. And we're seeing some three safety sets. So is it good personnel in terms of the grouping? Does Is it effective? I'm excited to see. Could see some versatility and some diversity with the Bills' back seven in ways that we haven't under Sean McDermott to this point. All right, folks, so there you have it. little injury update for you. I fixed my goof from yesterday about giving the wrong day for the preseason game. And then my prevailing thought on every position group on this roster is the Bills break camp on Thursday. It's crazy to think that. And you have three preseason games, and then it's uh, time for the Bills to play the Jets week one Monday night football. So buckle up, folks. Make sure that you're subscribed. We'd love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.